The statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So no fancy introductions here today, Abigail. Let's get right to it. We are amidst a big deep dive on digestive health right now at Megafood. And I am so completely fascinated by all the things I'm learning about our gut and how our gut is connected to the rest of our health. That said, there are over 100 trillion microorganisms that inhabit all kinds of places in our bodies, our mouths, our skin, our gut, just to name a few. And collectively, we call this community our microbiome. Every day, there's more and more emerging data about why this community is so important to our health. And it's just been flooring me as of late. From our digestion, our immune response, and then things that I had never even dreamed of, like my energy level, mood, it's all affected by how we treat our microbiome. And like you, Colleen, I'm so fascinated by this. It's like this new frontier of modern medicine discovering this, you know, complex interactions between our microbiome and the human body. So all of this can kind of sound overwhelming, but the good news is that like many other aspects of our health, we actually have the power to do something about it. So we can shift our microbiome in many different ways from, you know, lifestyle factors, the foods that we choose to eat. And then of course, you know, we're on that supplement show. So the supplemental probiotics that we take. So over time, we can influence that unique microbial fingerprint that is, you know, this big collective microbiome and support our optimal health. So I think this is a great topic for today. We can kind of get into how we mother that microbiome with the love that it deserves. Yeah. And when you're thinking about mothering 100 trillion organisms, I mean, that's such an unfathomable amount. But I want to take a moment to look at a singular microbe for just a minute. So individually, we refer to a beneficial microbial inhabitant in our body as a probiotic. I think that's important because, you know, we talk about, we use the word probiotic and to a lot of people that means a supplement, right? But, mm-hmm. but it is also a little individual microbe in our gut or in our body, anywhere in our body. So that's a key thing to remember. Um, it's also naturally occurring. So it's just, it's just there and it's essentially bacteria, but of the good kind, that good, healthy bacteria. And that is what is responsible for maintaining good gut health. Exactly. So in addition to aiding the digestion of food and the utilizations of its nutrients, the good bacteria within our microbiome are actually our biggest defense against illness. So over 70% of our immune response resides within our gut. So really no surprise that our bodies are taking notice when things are a little bit off For sure. What is the gut anyhow? I think that we need to go there. What specific parts of our body are we talking about when we say the gut? 
So a lot of different synonyms you might hear for this gastrointestinal tract, digestive system, digestive tract, or gut, we're all referring to a group of organs that includes the mouth, the esophagus, the stomach, and then some of the other organs that we maybe don't associate with digestion, the pancreas, the liver, the gallbladder, and then of course the small intestine, the colon, and the rectum. I think oftentimes when we think about gut health or GI health, we tend to experience the most of that within the intestines. I'm thinking about like gas and bloating and that discomfort. So often when we say the gut, people immediately think their stomach and, and you know lower digestive tract, but it really entails you know from start to finish when we consume food all the way through. Yeah. You know, when we say trust your gut, for example, you know, my hands go right to my stomach. Like that's where I'm thinking that that gut feeling is that we're talking about. And to touch on that for a moment, you know, this this statement of trusting your gut, it really lends itself to the idea that our gut is this thinking and feeling living object. And it truly is. So the reason it's so easily affected and so broadly interconnected with the rest of our body functions is because it's such a sophisticated system. We don't often think of nurturing our gut until it gives us trouble. And as you say that, I'm trying to think of the best person to kind of gear us up for this conversation, inform us on the signs of a distressed gut, and also what we can do to give it the love, it's, love it needs. So how do you feel about calling Dr. Stokes? Perfect idea. Let's give her a call and find out all we need to know about how to notice when our gut is distressed and then maybe what we can do to support it. Sounds great. Okay. Let's her up. Hello. Good morning. Hey, Erin. It's Abigail and Colleen today. How are you? Hi, Abby and Colleen. I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? We're doing awesome, and thank you so much for joining us to chat. We were just having a great conversation about the importance of digestive health, of gut health, and we thought you'd be the perfect person to kind of walk us through you know, some of the signs of a distressed gut and then what we can do to nurture our gut. Yeah, you got it. As a naturopathic doctor, I was trained from early on that gastrointestinal health is a cornerstone our overall health and wellness. And it's interesting when you look at the signs of a distressed gut, you'll see some really classic GI gut signs like occasional gas and bloating, um, people that will say, you know, sometimes I have diarrhea and then other times I'm constipated. I don't, re- I don't know what's going on, but my, my bowel habits just aren't that regular. And then other times people will talk about food intolerances And they may even say that they feel like over time, they've become more sensitive to more different foods, and they're not sure if it's a classic food allergy or food intolerance, but somehow it just seems like what they're able to eat has gotten more limited. So those are some of the, those are classic signs that we think about. But you know, because gastrointestinal health is so key, and it makes a ton of sense, right? Just going back to the fact that food is our fuel and food first, if there's something amiss in the way that we're able to digest and absorb food, it's going to affect every aspect really of our health. Some of the other classic symptoms that people will talk about that are connected with gut health is sleep disturbances. You might not think about insomnia or a difficult time sleeping being connected with gut health, but it truly is because when all of that's working well, you're able to wind down and and have a restful, restorative, and long sleep. And then another classic connection is gut health and skin health. So when you see skin irritations and skin issues pop up, 
that can often be connected to something awry in the GI tract. Now, Colleen, I don't know about you, but sleep and skin health is kind of a little bit of a revelation for me when it comes to digestive health. I didn't expect us to be touching on this. I'm right there with today. you. And that just further proves how fascinating this gut health connection is with the rest of our body. Um, so those now that we may be, some of our listeners might be sitting here thinking the same thing, like, gee, I'm not sleeping well. Maybe it is in my gut. So what about eating to nurture our gut? I know there's a couple different things we can do to support our gut health and our microbiome. Uh, but what should we avoid? And then what should we maybe consume a little bit more of? Yeah, so let's start with what to include. And foundational to gut health is a wide variety of fiber-rich vegetables and fruits. And this is really important. Sometimes we think of some, some more classic foods like prebiotics, which are essentially food for our probiotics. And then we'll talk about probiotic-rich foods, but you really need to back it up to also foundational food. If you have a wide variety of vegetables and fruits, again, fiber-rich. So we're talking things like broccoli, celery, carrots, pears, apples. You will nurture a more diverse microbiome. So that's, that's really important to know that that's foundational. And then, of course, when we're looking at those foods, we want to choose organic whenever possible. And that's because we don't want to be having additional pesticides and herbicides and specifically one that we've been talking a lot about and raising awareness around at Megafood is glyphosate. And glyphosate is not allowed to be sprayed on organic foods. It is the number one herbicide used in the United States in conventional farming. And it's actually also sprayed on public parks and schools in many municipalities around the country. So it's widely utilized. And it's interesting because glyphosate has really what you would call an antibiotic effect. And in, I want to temper that because antibiotics actually have their place in society. And so antibiotics aren't necessarily bad, but the effect that glyphosate has its antibiotic-like is negative because it really basically takes down the diversity of the microflora in the soil. So it makes the soil less rich. And it then when we ingest glyphosate, it actually may preferentially kill some of our beneficial bacteria in our gut. And it may actually encourage growth of more harmful or pathogenic bacteria. And this is this has all been very well documented in scientific studies. So nothing exists in isolation, as I like to say. And if we're spraying glyphosate on crops, it will get into the soil and then it will get into our food. And it's certainly not something that we want to scare people around. We just really more want to spread awareness and education and give people an opportunity to take action, both in their everyday life choices and some of the bigger actions that we've included, like our petition to ban glyphosate as a use of a de as a desiccant with oats. So we, we're just all about positive action and positive change and knowledge is power. And so I'm all about power to the people and empowering people with tools and knowledge. Yeah. And Erin, you had created a really lovely blog for us about a, well, about a really scary topic, um, the glyphosate and gut health connection. And I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes today for those who are interested in learning a little bit more. I know I personally was fascinated 
by the concept that something like an herbicide such as glyphosate works like an antibiotic and what that can do to the to the microbes in the soil as well as the microbes in our gut. Um, just really eye-opening stuff when you stop and think about what we're consuming and how our food is grown and sort of pausing to realize what an obvious connection, right? That these harmful things, you know, that are killing weeds or undesirable plants uh, in conventional agriculture are going to maybe have an effect on us too. Um, when it comes to digestive health, I guarantee that's not the first thing that people think about. No, it's not. And I think, again, it's it's just a way to spread awareness and realize that there's choices that we can make every day. And I absolutely understand as a working mom myself that we also have to be cost conscious. So that's why we really encourage organic whenever possible. And the, I know the two of you know that the Environmental Working Group has a really nice list that's been very helpful for people that's based on data. And it's the Dirty Dozen. So these are the fruits and vegetables that you really want to try to always buy organic if you can. And then there's also another list called the Clean 15. And those are some fruits and vegetables that okay to, to get, you know, not organic sometimes because they don't have the same levels of herbicide and pesticide residues. So again, knowledge is empowerment and we make choices every day. And some choices are easier than others. For example, I do a lot of shopping in the bulk department, which is also very cost saving. And when I look at the difference between the USDA certified organic oats that are also non-GMO in bulk, and then the conventional oats, there really isn't that much of a price discrepancy. I think the fact that I'm buying them in bulk already is actually made things less expensive. And I will always choose organic because I have a 12-year-old son that happens to love oatmeal. And so it's these, these are the, just the choices that then we can make when we have the information, like that glyphosate is used as a drying agent on oats before harvest. It's like, ooh, okay, well, I'm going to avoid conventional oats. And then that actually affects the supply chain because more people buying organic oats means that there's more of a market demand and that's how things start to shift. Erin, I love that point about doing what you can and making, um, you know, making smart choices when it's possible. And I think, um, as I've mentioned to Abby before, four or five times on this show, I love my oatmeal. And when I found out about glyphosate and it's possible negative impact on gut health, and then just the fact that glyphosate residue could be in food like my oatmeal, I went to my buying club and was able to get organic oats for actually less than the conventional brand at the grocery store. So there are some of these small changes that we can make. And it's not, you know, if we do our homework, some of them are actually going to be cost effective. So I absolutely love that. And I think it's super actionable when it comes to creating that change that we're desiring to see in the world. One of the wonderful things about oats, especially if you're eating organic oats, is that oats are on the list of what are called prebiotic foods. And we kind of can think of these prebiotic foods as food for probiotics. And they really are going to promote the growth of a healthy microflora. And so we know that there's really great probiotic-rich foods out there, like kombucha has gained a lot of popularity, kefir, sauerkraut have gained popularity, but a lot of listeners out there are like, oh, not so much. I'm not probably having those every day. Um, yogurt is mentioned as a probiotic food often. And it is one of the things that I want to add is that it's best to get really low sugar 
yogurts, because we all know that yogurts, even organic yogurts can sometimes have a lot of extra sugar. And so um, getting low sugar yogurt. So that's good. Those are the probiotic foods. Those are the classic list. But oats and some other foods I'll talk about now are prebiotic foods. And that means they're going to actually help the good guys, the good bacteria grow. And that list is a little more extensive and sometimes a little more accessible. And oats are definitely a prebiotic food, as are onions and garlic, great to include this time of year in soups and stews, asparagus, soybeans, for those of you that can have soy, and whole grains. So we can really expand this list of foods way out from kind of like a narrow view of just probiotic foods, which are great and wonderful. I just also want to acknowledge the reality that not everybody, especially if you have somebody that say is dairy intolerant, they might not then be able to have kefir and sauerkraut and kimchi every day. Maybe they can, and if they can, awesome. But if they can't, think about lots of vegetables and fruits, organic whenever possible, like we talked about, that are fiber rich. And then all these prebiotic foods like oats and garlic and onions. And then all of a sudden your world is really expanded in your worldview of what you can eat and what you can do to promote a healthy microbiome. It's funny to think about those probiotics inside of us needing to eat too. And I love that. That's really cool that some of these really delicious foods that, like you said, are super accessible and we're probably already eating are going to help those probiotics flourish. And as a fun little side note, whenever I'm thinking about prebiotics and the probiotics that are consuming them, it's (laughs) Pac-Man. So if that will help listeners with a visualization at all. (laughs) That's great. I love it. So Aaron, all of that was great information for those listeners that are not sure where to go and take, you know, their dig- how to take their digestive health in their control. We know we're going to avoid glyphosate. We're going to eat prebiotic rich foods, whole grains. But if that's not enough, do we truly need a supplement if we're trying to do those things on a regular basis? That's a great question, Abby. And I think in most cases, the answer is yes. And I don't just think as a naturopathic doctor, I would say what I've seen is, yes, I know that most people benefit from probiotic supplementation. It's certainly a supplement that I take every single day. And it's one that I consider to be foundational, particularly in modern times. If anyone out there has ever had a round of antibiotics, for example, that has an impact on your gut microflora, some of the exposures that we've talked about, you know, I think that All of us are doing our best to limit glyphosate and other exposures, but we know that we've got, we just by living on this planet has have had some exposure to those things. And so when you really look at our modern lifestyle, again, focusing on what we can do, but also the realities of what is and what is there. I believe that most people can really supplement from, or can, excuse me, really benefit from a probiotic supplement. And and I really see it as well, um, both in myself, my family, my greater community, you know, uh, the Megaflora collection is actually along with Blood Builder, just anecdotally, those are kind of the two supplements that people come up to me at parties or just at a holiday party the other day, um, talking about wow, this has really made a difference. This is, this is something I love to take. Um, I, I think it's, it's very foundational. Okay. So if somebody is ready to turn to probiotics as a supplement to promote good digestive health, the next 
question is how to choose. So there are so many different options. We know that there are a whole bunch of strains. If you turn over any probiotic supplement label, you're going to see these live strains and, and you know, they've got all the Latin names that are that sound like they're great. Like, gee, this, this looks really healthy, but how do we know what to look for? And maybe, you know, is it, is it going to vary person to person? I'm guessing, yes, that's why there's so many options. But can we kind of break down how you would narrow your options to what's going to work for you? Yes, absolutely. Another great question. I think that there's five key questions that you want to consider when you're looking at a probiotic. And totally get that this is a confusing world. And that's why I think it's so great that you're doing this podcast is that people get overwhelmed trying to figure out what is the best probiotic supplement for them, just as they can get overwhelmed trying to figure out what is the best multivitamin for them. So we're here to help try to break that down. And the first is something that I, I talk about a lot is that in our country, a lot of times we sort of supersize things about like, more is better and just go for the highest potency possible, possible, just like you would go for the biggest possible possible or like supersize your entree or, but that's not as much the point. Potency definitely matters. So question number one is what's the right potency? Um, Basically the potency comes in something called CFUs. And you don't have to remember this, but we're just going to put it out there. It's called colony forming units. And so when you see that CFU, now you know what it means, colony forming units. And it's just really a, a, a measurement for the number of live microorganisms in each serving of probiotics. So if your serving is one capsule, that's what you're going to see on the label. So you want to find the right potency for you and your unique needs. You might be like, okay, number one, what's the right potency? Well, one example is if you're just in maintenance mode, that you may have a lower potency. If you're in repair mode, say you did just have a recent course of antibiotics or you did just come back from traveling internationally over in India, then you may go with a higher potency. So number one, what's the right potency? And it's going to depend on your based on your needs. Two is, does the number of strains matter? And that's something that's kind of gotten lost in this, supersize more is better mentality. More can be great if you need it, but it's not always more is better. We need a variety of different strains. And we also want to have strains that don't compete for resources. So potency one, strains, strain variety two, three. And this is a question we've been doing some informal research where we're asking people different questions about probiotics. A lot of people out there are wondering if the probiotic strains are alive. Are, are these even alive in this little bottle? You know, I'm like buying this bottle and making this investment. And you want to be assured through some kind of quality testing that the probiotic strains are viable and alive in your supplement. That's very important, right? Just like quality testing for anything else, quality testing for potency and purity of your the vitamin B6 that's in your multi. This is very similar. You want to be able to know that all of the strains that are listed are there and at that amount. And number four gets back to something that we talked we talked about earlier: is what kind of certifications are important? What matters to you? What's what's important to you? So, for example, 
do gluten, dairy, soy free? Are those important to you? Is glyphosate residue free important, non-GMO? And you want to be able to look at all of those certifications. And I can, I can definitely say at Megafood, we take that very seriously. And so probably I'm sure we can put a link in the show notes too, right to our certifications. And then, whoo, this probably feels like a lot. It's not as complicated as it sounds. These are boom, 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 quick questions most of the time. But the last is get, getting the age and gender um, appropriate supplements. So what's the best probiotic for me? For me, right? Because this is personalized. This is me. I'm living my my life here. And I want to get the pro- best probiotic for my age and gender. And also for any specific needs I might have in my life, whether I'm working on immune health or I'm working on mood health or urinary tract health. Can I find a probiotic that suits my age, gender, and specific needs to really personalize it? You could sum that last bullet point up as like, how do we personalize it to fit our needs. And those are some of the questions. And it sounds like a lot, but really can get broken down into potency, variety, living strains, certification, and personalize it for me. That is one super list, Aaron. I know myself, I can I can speak for myself that that really does help. You know, if, if listeners want to jot down those things, it's like maybe then the next time you're in the supplement aisle, it's not quite so scary. You're looking at all of those bottles because it really does narrow down. And when we're talking about strains, I have a couple questions here. When we're talking about strains and strain variety, when you talk about a good variety, Erin, are you talking about you know three or four strains? Are we talking about a dozen strains? What makes for good variety? You know, it, it depends. There are, I want to acknowledge as a naturopathic doctor that there are some really targeted formulas out there that, that have a lesser amount of strains, but usually more like a dozen, because I believe that you started out this show talking about the trillions of organisms that we have in our gut. So let's put it all in perspective, right? It's kind of like a garden and we want to be seeding that garden. So usually somewhere in more in the range of a dozen with you know some exception if you have a you're very very specific but um yeah variety is important and then that like i said i know from talking out in the world quite a bit that 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 conversation got lost a little bit as people were just kind of upping the ante on how many hundred billions it's like that's not that's not the key is it's like saying how many billions of what who's in there (laughs) Who who are the Who's in that little capsule? Like, I want to know who. It's like it's like a little party. Like, who's at the party? Who came? And uh, that's important. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that that is important. Who is at the party? So, and another thing is talking about personalizing probiotics. So, classic example here. My family was over to celebrate my daughter's birthday last weekend, and my dad. We can't even go five minutes without him starting to talk about health. Like that is his go-to topic. So of course, as the evening progressed, we talked about digestive health at one point and we started discussing the the wonders of the microbiome and it's kind of one of those safe topics, you know, in family conversation. We all pretty much agree. So (laughs) it's a good one for the dinner table. But my husband was saying, you know, what I really need is more energy. And when we were talking about gut health and how it can, um, you know, our microbiome can affect all different parts of our body. And when he said he needed more energy, I said, well, wait a minute. I actually have, you know, some of Megafood's newest probiotics that are kind of supporting specific conditions, um, very personalized. So there's one formulation that we have 
that's a probiotic that also has an emphasis on healthy energy levels. So I actually, you know, ran to our cabinet and said, here you go, like, give this a try. Um, so I do think that sometimes, you know, we might pause and think, what do I want out of a probiotic beyond just all that beneficial digestion stuff? And there are other things that we can target. Absolutely. You know, and keeping in mind, too, that the interconnectedness of all of this, that there are, we do have this specific, wonderful shelf-stable probiotic to support energy. And even thinking big picture, once gut health gets working better, you're going to digest and absorb your food better. So it's like an upward spiral in that case. It's like a probiotic supporting energy, supporting your digestion. And then of course, I I just can't help myself because I'm a naturopathic doctor, but then sleep, which is key to energy, right? So it's all connected. Um, And I love that now people can customize for their specific needs as we've broadened our collection of offerings. Yeah. Total domino effect. It's really, really cool. Aaron, this was incredibly helpful information, not just for our listeners, but I think for Colleen and I as well. And I was wondering before we let you go, if there was one big digestive health takeaway that you could give for our listeners, what would that be? Sit down and relax when you eat your food. I'm surprising. I think I'm surprising you both left and right today, but that is so key and gets missed a lot is that we talked so much today about all of the wonderful vegetables and fruits and and things to avoid and what to include. And the bottom line is too, you need to sit and honor the time that you have to eat, hopefully together with some other loved ones, friends or family when you can. And when it's just you to honor that time, even if it's 15 or 20 minutes to actually sit down and eat away from a screen, not while you're driving or watching TV or taking a, a phone call because when we get into that parasympathetic rest and digest mode, that's just going to support all of these other things that we're doing to support our gut health. So savor and relish that food and take time. I think that's awesome. And quick little tip, I actually really enjoy eating with a teeny tiny fork or spoon. I know it sounds ridiculous, but if you don't have a big fork, you can't eat very quickly. <laughs> so, you know, when we have this really delicious food, sometimes I am just, you know, unconsciously shoveling, right? Because we're busy and we're always on the go. So, you know, reduce that utensil down to a smaller size and it'll actually uh, force you to take a little bit more time with eating. So that's my little trick for today. I love it. Perfect little life hack. Thank you, Erin. I love this. And I'm excited to talk in greater depth with you about digestive health really soon. I would love that. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Erin. Have a great day. You too. Wow. Well, Abigail, I don't have much more to add here today other than I think we just, you know, we hit the tip of the iceberg when it comes to digestive health. And there's so much to learn and so much to unpack. And Again, just to echo my sentiments from the beginning, I'm really excited that we are taking some time to focus on our gut, and there will definitely be more to say about it in the next coming episodes. Agreed. Thank you for this, Colleen, today. And you know, you said tip of the iceberg, but I think we still came away with some really great actionable steps that we can implement right now to benefit our gut health. So really thrilled with that too. 
Yeah, not the tip. More like you know, like it's a it's a very nice hefty chunk, but it's still a, still an iceberg. But we we've got like we've got a good handful here. <laughs> All right, Colleen. Till next time. All right. Thank you, Abby. Take you care. Too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. The statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 